Paul wrote to the Colossians, he said that Christ delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his son. You know, what we find out in life, if we, if we just really are honest with ourselves, is that without Christ, it really doesn't matter. Because if you live a long life, let's say you live to be a hundred or more, and your life is full and it's rich, but if that's it, it's not enough. Jesus came to conquer death to give us life. We're going to look at Daniel the prophet in just a moment because he was engaged in a 21-day fast. And I wonder if from his lips he would say something like this, you know, all that I've seen God do, it's not enough. He found himself confronting spiritual forces that were arrayed against him, and he wonder, I wonder if he said it's not enough. You know, some of the benefits of fasting is, one of them, it increases your spiritual awareness. When you take your mind off of satisfying your physical body, it's amazing how you can shift to your spiritual dimension. Another benefit is you get victory over sin by, by taking more time to reflect on who you are and what God's doing or not doing in your life. You begin to get honest about stuff in your life. He said, well, you know, that's really not a good thing for me. And God, in this context, now I understand, and it, it brings an awareness to me. We also have to understand that this is, we're not alone. That we're engaged in a spiritual war, and fasting can actually be beneficial in defeating demonic forces that are raised against you. You ever had those moments where just you had a random thought and you think, where did that come from? Or a random action, you say, man, that's yeah, not really me. Why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I act like that? And it might be inconsistent with who you are and you think, where did that come from? Well, don't be alarmed. You are, you are a spiritual being in a physical body. You're living in a world that is in conflict spiritually. And oftentimes you are the pawn in the middle of that and you're given an opportunity to say yes and no and and you're constantly challenged with those kind of things. Fasting also releases the favor of God in your life. I mean, who doesn't need the favor of God? Who doesn't need for God to really speak and bring peace and prosperity and life and love to your heart? I think we all need that. And then there's spiritual strongholds in our life. Things that we've been fighting. We fight the same. You ever notice how you fight the same sins? And they're like, they're almost like pet sins. Now, I don't have a pet anymore. My pet's next door. I think I've told you that story that people move, that live next door, they have a dog named Laura and uh, another dog named Juno. And, and Juno, they're, they're a Korean family. And I say Juno is the North Korean and, and Laura is the South Korean. And Laura likes me best. And Laura's very jealous, and I'll go over and I'll, uh, to the fence and I'll pet Laura, and when she sees Juno coming, she'll try to bite Juno. And she loves to be petted. And you know what? So do my favorite sins. How about yours? I like to stroke my favorite sins. Yeah, that's okay. I'll confess it later. You know, everybody's doing that, and what's the big deal? 
And we, we have to interact with this stuff in a real and honest way and say, you know what, that's been a consistent pattern in my life. Maybe it's a spiritual stronghold. Maybe it's something that is, is rooted in deeply, and maybe it started early in life. Maybe it's something that just came into your life. But whatever it is, you know it's there. And if you've ever had one of those moments where, with God where you just sit down and go, God, I, here I am again, and I did it again. I'm confessing the same thing all over again, and and, and you almost think God maybe gets put out with you, and he doesn't. If God loved you when you didn't even know you in terms of relationship, how much more does he love you now that you're his son and his daughter? You don't ever have to hold back with God. <clears throat> God loves you. His grace is sufficient. I want to take you to the book of Daniel. I want to show you a story of Daniel that's filled with a lot of intrigue, a lot of, a lot of spiritual kind of messages we want to tap into. Daniel advanced in age now, taken into exile as a young man uh, into the land of Babylon. And he writes these words. He says, in the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel whose name was called Belteshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long, and he understood the message. And he had understanding of the vision. And in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three weeks. You see, Daniel wasn't, it wasn't all well for Daniel. Here's this prophet of God, but he was, he was broken somehow. He was mourning. Maybe he was mourning over the, the sin of his people. Maybe he was mourning over his own sin. Maybe he was mourning on the fact that he'd been taken out of his home when he was just a child and been in exile his whole life. Maybe he was mourning because it wasn't enough what he'd seen God do, and he wanted to see God do more in his life than he was currently doing. And I think any of those are possibilities, and all of them we can relate to. He said, I ate no pleasant food, and no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three weeks were fulfilled. Now, on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris. Do you remember that Tigris-Euphrates River? It's It's that eastern border from the Mediterranean over to Israel. It's a, it's a really important river in, biblical, uh, in the biblical account. We find it first in the Garden of Eden. It becomes one of those borders for the Garden of Eden. In the last days in the book of Revelation, it says it will be over that Tigris-Euphrates River that that great horde from the east, that great army that will march into Israel in the last days will come. So biblically, it's very, very important and very strategic. And here is Daniel, find himself there, and he says, I lifted up my eyes and I looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold of Uphaz. His body was like burl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze, in color and sound of his words were like a voice of a multitude. Now let me ask you something. You're in prayer, you wake up and see this guy, what do you do? I get scared, right? In fact, someone says, well, this looks like the a pre-incarnate uh, appearance of Christ. No, this is... This is a post-resurrection appearance. This is the one you read about in Revelation chapter 1. This is the one that the apostle Paul encountered there in the book of Acts when he says he fell as dead. This was an overwhelming presence of God. And Daniel said in verse 7, And I alone saw the vision for the men who were with me did not see, but great terror fell upon them. This presence of God brought fear and terror to them. And they fled and they hid themselves. Therefore I was left alone when I saw this great vision. 
and no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his words. Sometimes when you encounter God, all you know is his presence, or he brings a word back that he's spoken to you. It could be a short phrase, it could be a scripture, it could be whatever, but he's trying to get your attention. Even now, he gets our attention by just little urges and little, little movements within our very spirit. He said, I, I heard the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face and with my face to the ground, and suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble, and on my knees and on the palms of my hands, and he said unto me, O Daniel, man, greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you. Stand upright, for I have been sent to you. And while he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Getting into the presence of God should be something that gets your attention. Because you stop thinking about you, and you have an awareness of who he is. And that awareness of who he is and who you really are is transformational. Because you say something like this, I can't stay where I am and when I encounter a God like this. You ever notice that when you kind of get away from God, you kind of get away from Christians and get away from church and get away from Bible and get away from all that stuff? You know why? Because it's safe. It's really safe. You don't feel bad anymore. Well, I go there, I feel bad. Why do you think? Maybe because God's trying to get you moved in a direction of, of walking with him. And there's nothing sweeter than we start to walk with God and God fills with his spirit and God guides us with his hand. But notice here what Daniel said in verse 12. He said, then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to understand, to humble yourselves before God, your words were heard. Can I just give you a, a promise here? When you pray, God hears every word. Don't get this idea that, oh, you know, well, I was praying and I didn't hear God. God hears. God may not answer that prayer right away. You may not feel like God is answering that prayer, but I want you to know that God hears your words. And when we begin to pray, God begins to log this, these words up, and God begins that process of release and fulfillment of the things we really need instead of the things we really want. I laughed at Facebook posts the other day by Sean. Sean, I'm going to put you on the spot here. He said he was downtown L.A., and he went to one of those Tesla, you know, those electronic car things, and he said, I've just moved from wanting this car to really needing it. <laughs> if you've ever seen the car, it's easy to say, I really need that car, and I really want that car, right? But isn't that how we process stuff? I really got to have that. I need that. And then I get that and I go, I don't know. I remember when we got our first brand new car. Every other car we had was used and hand-me-downs or whatever. Got our first brand new car and, and we had two small boys. And, and, you know, that means you have your car will eventually, within like a few months, smell like French fries. I mean, that's just what that means. McDonald's fries are going down in the crack of the seat and you're, it's all over. But I remember getting in that car and I would just sit in it and I'd go, it smells new. You know, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, I drive it and I parked it somewhere and it was a black Chrysler, right? And somebody opened the door on it and dinged a little piece of paint out of it, a little circle right on the driver's door. And, of course, I just thank God for that little chip in the paint. <laughs> and why do they paint 
the undercoating, why is it gray or white? Why don't they paint the undercoat paint black? So every time I would walk out, I would never see that car again. It never smelled the same. All I could see was the dot. I'd walk out, I'd look at the dot. I'd try to sneak up on the dot. I'd go around the back of it and sneak up on the dot. I even got shoe polish and went out there and rubbed a little shoe polish in it so maybe I wouldn't see the dot. But you know what I did? I developed a dot complex. All I could see was the problem. And when, all you, when you live your life where all you can see is the problem, you never see the blessing. You see, a lot of you have, have, are living in that same world I was living in, the dot complex. You have it. And right now, all you can see is what God is not doing in your life. All you can see is what's wrong with somebody else, whether it's your children, whether it's your wife, who, your husband, whoever it is who you work with. You've got a dot complex. And I want to tell you this, you'll never see the favor of God if you live your life in a dot complex. You'll miss out on all the good stuff that God wants to do. I don't know that I ever really fully got over the dot complex. Someone said, why didn't you just go get it painted? I never thought of that. (laughs) But let me tell you what did happen. God answered my prayer. Coming down the highway or coming down a road, and all of a sudden a car stopped in front of me. I stopped in time. car behind me didn't stop, hit me from the back, pushed me into the car in front, made an accordion out of it. The car was total, and I was out of the dot complex. When you offer your dot to God, that's what he does. He totals it. (laughs) He does. He takes it out. You see, when we take our sins to the cross, when we realize that Jesus died for a reason, he died to remove all the hassles, all the pain, all the difficulty in terms of the way it gets into our life. Not because it makes our life without those. It's just we know how to cope with them because we say, yes, that's difficult. Yeah, that's hard. Yes, that's a problem. But God is sufficient in this and every situation we find ourselves in. Here's the thing I've noticed about God. God wants to be wanted by you. He wants you to want him. He will even create scenarios to get you to want him. My wife does that. She creates scenarios to be noticed. I don't understand it. Doesn't make any sense to guys. But if you've been married very long, you figure out you better notice and better respond because pretty soon you will know that you're not being, she will tell you you're not noticing. But have you ever been in a situation where somebody just calls your name? Doesn't it feel good? Just says, hi, Dan. What is that? Because we want to be wanted. There's something within us, and it's given by God that God has that, and we're made in his image, and God wants us to want him. God wants us to love him. And he went to the extent that he died. He sent his son to die on a cross. He said, I want you to want me. I want to show you that I will take away your sins. I'll give you the gift of eternal life. I just want to be wanted. God reveals himself to us, and when he begins to reveal himself, it's irresistible. There's a drawing that comes in. And what fasting does, it raises that spiritual awareness in our life and our hunger for God and wanting God. But you see, fear is a boundary line that Satan comes along and he tries to establish. It's a boundary line of Satan's power. And so we think, well, here's fear. I don't want to get over here because if I get over here, then, you know, I don't know. Maybe I can't depend on God. I can't trust God. So what he does is he establishes fear in our life. But the moment you step over fear, you destroy his control. 
I'll not let Satan have control of my life. Fear is replaced by faith. And when you begin to exercise faith, you begin to see new opportunities of what God wants to do. And then faith starts out as a thin layer. But it builds, and you can, you'll, you'll see that each layer is connected to the next layer, and it grows larger and larger. As you, as you exercise a little bit of faith, what you're going to find is that greater faith is going to come to you. And it's going to increase your capacity to dream and to believe and, and to access the power of God. But also, not only know that God wants to be wanted, but also spiritual forces, they respond to fasting. In Hebrews chapter 1, in verse 14, it says that angels are ministering spirits for those who believe. Did you know you have angels that are willing to minister to you? That's kind of good news, isn't it? Now, you say, well, how do you, how do you call on them? I mean, they got names. No, I don't think they got names that we can call on them. And, I, and I, they, they have a ministry that is, is, is clearly given in Scripture. But I know one thing about angels. They seem to always assist when the situation is impossible. We also know that they don't show up to do little things. Not like the angels showed up and, you know, helped you pick out the shirt you're going to wear, the dress you're going to wear. When you look in the Bible, they're showing up for big things in your life. And they engage in, in things when we take big risks, with, which the Bible calls faith. They come when there's a great danger. But here's what I think most angels in dealing with us, they're bored. You're living a boring Christian life. It's all safe. There's no risk. Angels go, yeah, when they, get, when they get something big going, when faith really gets big, when they take a big risk, then maybe we can show up because they don't seem to show up just arbitrarily in Scripture. I mean, you see one show up in Sodom and Gomorrah when God's getting ready to destroy it and he goes to Lot and goes, we got to get out of town. That's a pretty big deal. We see him show up at the, you know, at the birth of, of, of the announcement of Christ. That's a pretty big deal. We see him show up somehow in, that, in the scenario of Daniel and the fiery furnace. They show up. Why? Because it's a big deal. Angels increase their activity when we regain our appetite for faith. Angels increase their activity when we regain our appetite for faith. Trusting God, pushing out beyond what's comfortable. Demons shudder when we begin to fast and pray and believe God. The Bible says in Luke chapter 4, now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. He cried out with a loud voice saying, let us alone. Now that'll wake you up if that happens in church. Jesus walks in the room, the guy next to you goes, let us alone. You're looking over going, oh my gosh, I need a new seat. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? This demonic spirit knew who was sitting next to him, knew what was going on. When Jesus came in the room, that demonic spirit knew it. And listen to what he said. Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. We also know hell is set on edge when we begin to fast, believe, and trust God. In Luke chapter 8 and verse 28, there's a story of a naked guy. You heard me right, a naked guy. Every time you have a story with a naked guy, it's going to be a good story. Am I right? There's just something about it. And the Bible has multiple layers of people who 
absolutely have no clothes. Well, this particular guy was named Legion. Legion was possessed by many demons, it says, and he, he lived in the caves, and they oftentimes to try to chain him up to contain him, and he would break the chains, and he would rip all his clothes off, and so there's not like, probably not anything worse than a crazy guy with no clothes on who breaks chains and scares everybody. Am I right? Am I right? I mean, so maybe that's normal at your house. Not normal at my house, okay? Not normal in my community that I know of. But he says to him, what have, I, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. Do you understand? There's a spiritual dimension here. There's something going on in this world. And we see that Satan is trying to take stuff from us. If you, if you made a list right now in your mind, what is Satan taking from you or trying to take from you? Has he taken your dignity? Has he taken your purity? Has he taken your financial base? Has he taken your love? What has he taken from you? Some of it we freely have given away, but sometimes we feel like we've been robbed, that he's taken something away from us. And we want it back. We need to take it back. You need to just say, I'm taking it back. Would you say that with me? I'm taking it back. Everybody, I'm taking it back. Now look at this. Let's just say this together, all right? You ready? The enemy will not stop me any longer. I am the bride of Christ. I have been given honor and power. Hell must bow at the name of Jesus. I come in that name, that name above every name. You need to make positive confessions in your life and realize who you are in Christ and realize victory has already been secured and victory is always on its way. In Daniel chapter 10 and verse 12, it says, do not fear. Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to understand. You know, you can set your heart right now and say, I'm setting my heart right now. I want to understand what God is doing. I'm going to put before God these great and mighty things I'm trusting God for and believing God for. I'm going to set my heart to understand, and then it says, and to humble yourself. You know, the problem that we all have to some degree is our capacity to get things done. It's our ability And sometimes we just want to keep helping God, helping God, doing for God, doing for God. And God says, I know you're capable. I made you in my image. I know you're smart. I know you're a hard worker. I know you're diligent. Would you let me work where I work best? Would you just humble yourselves and call upon my name? Would you just walk with me to humble yourself before your God? He said, your words were heard And I have come because of your words. Satan comes to rob us of our purpose and our destiny. He comes to convince us that we should settle settle for something less than really the best in our life. Just settle for it. Don't worry about it. After all, it's good enough, isn't it? I mean, things are going pretty well in your life. And take from us that royal destiny that we have as a child of God to really know God to know the Heavenly Father. 
to have that kingdom authority, to live out our life with power. And when we go to prayer, believe that God really hears our prayer, that God really knows who we are and God's responding. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 35 through 38, it says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence. You know, we, we take our confidence we have in God and we, I don't have confidence in God anymore. God didn't come through. God didn't answer my prayer. God's not listening. But it goes on to say that confidence has great reward. When you put confidence in God, it has great reward. And then it says this, for you have need of endurance. Man, you can get wore down pretty easy, can't you? Just worn out, wore down, you know, and God, I just don't even have any strength left anymore. I, don't, I can't begin to tell you how many people have said to me, you know, I'm just tired of fighting. I'm tired of battling. I'm tired of losing. I just feel like giving up. You have need of endurance so that once you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Just say, God, I want to do your will. If you have a setback, head it in the right direction again. If you fall down, stand up and keep moving in the right direction. It says that you may receive the promise for yet a little while and he who is coming will come and he will not tarry. God is going to come through in your life. You have to say it to yourself. You have to believe it. God is going to come through in my life. I may not feel it right now. I may not sense it right now, but I believe God is going to come through in my life. Here's a couple of life applications. Here's the first one. Assume that the problem is spiritual. Just assume it. Start there and say, you know what? What's really going on here in my heart? It's not who I work with. It's not what I'm battling with. It's not this stuff. Let me start with the spiritual. Let me get my heart right with God first and just trust in God. And then also stand. Just stand in the midst of doubt. I mean, doubt is easy, right? What about faith? You have to stand in the middle of all your doubt and trust and believe in God. You know, today we're going to uh, we're going to share communion together, and as we do, it's a it's one of those reminders that as we we take bread and we take cup, the the, the juice, that it's a reminder that Jesus gave His body for us, that He spilled His blood for us, that we might have eternal life. We're going to ask you to stand right now, and we're going to pray. Uh, the communion, the bread and the cup are going to be here at the front, but at the same time, we want to ask you to do one other thing. A lot of you got prayers that are just heavy on your heart. Might even be an unspoken prayer. We gave you a little card inside your, your packet today, and there's a cross up here. you notice some people have already put some of their prayer requests on the cross. You can just write a prayer request on there and go by and just put it on the cross. If you, if you want it, it's just unspoken, but you just want to to kind of identify with the cross and identify with prayer, just take that card. You don't even have to write on it if you don't want to and just put it on one of those nails on the cross. And as we share in communion, now what we've prone to do, we, if you were with us back in, in the old days at El Rancho a little over a year ago, it was total chaos. People said, well, why don't you give people directions on how to go? And I said, it's just more fun to just turn them loose. <laughs> right? I love the interaction. I love people trying to figure it out. I think ideally the best way to do is to come down here and go out around the outside, but if you find another way, we love you. Okay? That's one thing we know about people. People kind of make their own way in life, and 
But as you take that bread and that cup, you can take it back to your seat. And then when you're ready to take that bread and that cup, you can take that. And the band's going to sing right now. So let's just bow our heads and pray before we receive communion today. Heavenly Father, as we bow our heads before you, God, we, we bow them, Father, believing that you're a great God. You're a good God. All of us have areas of confusion when it comes to our own physical life and our spiritual life. We all want to have this happy, peaceful life without conflict. And we know, God, as long as we're in this world, that's not possible. But what is possible is to find the peace that comes from God, to know the forgiveness of sins and the joy of knowing and walking with God. So, God, as we share in communion, God, as we share in this time of putting our prayer requests on the cross, that you just seal in our heart your love. And may every person experience the fellowship and the joy that comes from walking with you. So we take this, God, as you commanded us to take, to do it in faith, to examine our own heart, to be right with you. And we love you, Lord Jesus, in your name. God, amen. Just make your way to a table.